is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. If you say the name Beth Levin, the following words come to my mind. Power, titan, poetic, and rarity. Simply put, I equate pianist Beth Levin as a powerhouse pianist who has the grit balanced by sublime artistry to make Beethoven sing. She is a pianist who seizes her repertoire, whether it be Mozart, Schumann, or the contemporary composers who she champions, and explores every space between the notes. Put a fugue or arioso in front of her, and Athena rises from within Beth to wage wisdom and war with her artistic force. My last conversation with Beth was in 2018 on Center Stage. I would like to quote one phrase from my introduction of her that illuminates Beth Levin's world. I said of this, Into her performance intimacy, she brings a torrent of sheer physicality and sublime sensitivity to her playing. Beth Levin conjures up an almost mystical approach to her music making, inviting the audience in to an experience that is at once most holy and thrilling. Or as music critic David Patrick Stearns, who writes for the Philadelphia Inquirer and is also a contributor to The Guardian and Gramophone, He says of Beth Levin after a barge music recital in 2021, Levin has a cult and then some following. For years, I have struggled with her artistic imprint. She truly challenges what you think you know about a composer and the repertoire she's playing. Every phrase was a fearless search for essence, which gave a sense of the music being exploded from the inside out. Now, those are the words of David Patrick Stearns. Well, I am thrilled to have Beth Levin with me today, because I genuinely desire to hear how she has handled life through the pandemic. I don't think she has been idle, but rather continually developing a relationship with the music between the notes. And then there is the birth of her poetry, but more on that a little later. So let's bring Beth into this interview. Beth Levin, thank you for being on Center Stage once again. It is always an immense pleasure. Oh, my pleasure, Pam. Thanks so much. Do you think that you are a goddess? Could you see yourself as Athena, Beth? Oh, no. (laughs) I could never live up to those words. I was thinking, where is this person? I want to meet her. No, no. I, I, I mean, I think I, I love that review of David. I think he kind of really got into the, uh, the music in a deep way. Than mm. the way he wrote about it, it was, it was really nice. Yeah, and and your words are so flattering. Thank you. <laughs> They're the truth. I mean, you are known as a titan, and it's interesting when you think about certain performers. You know, solid words come to your mind, and with you, Titanic is always in there for me. But you're also, <laughs> but you also are a, a rarity, as as David Stern said. You know, you have this cult and then some following that's so perfect. I mean, um, how do you feel about that? Huh. Um, yeah, I think I, oh gosh, it's hard to 
hard to talk about. <laughs> a lot of, you know, a lot of it is so inward, you know, mm-hmm. that it's actually hard to talk about. But no, I, I'm always excited when even say people who follow me on Facebook show up at a concert, you know, and I meet them. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe I think I am someone who um, plays and I try to discover things myself without, you know, I, I barely ever listen to, say, like a famous recording or something. I just I just open the music and, and kind of react to it myself. Beautiful. And, and often that comes out with something, you know, original, I guess you'd say, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're people who like me, I guess they're, they're looking for that, you know. Mm-hmm. They're looking for something different. Yeah. Well, that was actually one of my questions to you today. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you, are you a musician that uses instinct when you come to a piece at the piano? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I really, really am. I mean, I like to think that I, I kind of combine, you know, brain and heart and, and everything, you know. Uh, but instinct is uh, a, a really important part of it. Uh, and and I think you used the word physicality. Mm-hmm. So much of music, especially say like I recently recorded the uh, Hammerklavier Sonata of Beethoven, and I mean it's so physical. Mm. You, you just you you almost feel like an athlete half the time. You know, mm-hmm. it it really just goes right through your body and and everything, your soul and everything. You know, um, but. Um, I think you you have to be careful though. You can't just use, you know, you might have a very strong instinct and then a week later just decide, no, 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 that's, that's completely wrong. You know, I'm, I wasn't mm-hmm. right about that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a great, great tool, but you have to temper it with other things. Hmm. Well, you know, you're talking about this physicality and, and we're talking about this instinctual kind of rush. I mean, that really is the heart and soul of Athena. <laughs> The goddess. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it really is Beth loving. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> and also following up on, on that same theme, I mean, you were a child who discovered the piano at three, I believe. Oh, I did. It was just that we had a great piano in the basement, and I just sort of wandered there, and I just never left, basically. You know, oh, I, I love it sort that. of became. You know, it became my sort of my place. I just always went there, and and we were lucky in that we had a lot of um, music in the uh, chair in the um, that that went with the piano, and and I just sort of very naturally just opened a lot of music. You know, it was it was just like a game, really. It was just play play time almost. Wow. You know, in the beginning. And what age did you start lessons then? Oh, yeah. I remember I was begging my mother for lessons at about age five because my best girlfriend was taking lessons. And I was like, wait, I want to take, take lessons. And she found me, a, my mother found me a, a fabulous t- teacher. And uh, I, I was just blessed the teachers that I met over the years. Oh, I know. And you've had many, many very famous teachers, I might add. I suppose, yeah, I have. I have. 
Who do you think out of that group, who do you think really spoke to you the most as a teacher? Right, right. Uh, well, I mean, in one sense, they all did in different ways. But I have to say, uh, Marion Villar, who was my teacher from, uh, let's see, I was uh, 12 to 17 when I studied with him. He, he made an enormous impression mm-hmm. on me. I mean, oh, I think you could almost say, you know, if you listen to my playing and, and hear my tone and things like that, it, it's all purely from having worked with Falar. That's incredible. And yeah, he was a great Chopin player, and that ah, really, okay. all, all of it, and, and then his, the, the kids that he taught, we were sort of like his family. We were all very close. Beautiful. And you made your debut at 12 years of age <laughs> with the Philadelphia yeah. Orchestra. That's, yeah. that's no slouch yeah. orchestra, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But, you know, he prepared me so perfectly. I, I just didn't even have to think. It was, you know, he, he was that way. He would just prepare you to the nth degree and and you could just enjoy it. Oh, that's wonderful. So when you talk about him giving you a, a, a real recognition of tone, you know, mm-hmm. how is that translated into your playing? Yeah, uh, well, anything to do with a singing line, of mm. course, Chopin, Schumann, or, or almost any composer where you have to sing, you know, which is something <laughs> a lot of piano teachers are always kind of... Um, it's almost a mantra, like sing, sing. <laughs> but you know, after hearing Pilar, you couldn't help. But it's almost like having it's just having a voice at the piano, really, uh, mm. using uh, the piano as a voice. Wow. I love that. And as a singer, of course, I, I, I definitely love yep. that. You know, you, you, touch, <laughs> right. you touch on Schumann there. As a singer, I've, I've been, been touched by Schumann myself in many oh. ways. But you seem to have a profound relationship with Schumann. Um, can, can you tell me, you know, how that plays out for you? Yeah, in a way, it's maybe the most serious relationship as a pianist to a composer, there's just something about Schumann. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, he, I, this, you know, the way he was always kind of reaching for things in his writing, it makes you reach, you know. And uh, I played a lot of chamber music of Schumann, concerto, um, solo works, works with singers, works with, um, I said chamber music, and, and it just, it's, you know, I guess I've immersed myself in Schumann over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Most recently, I've played the Schumann Symphonic Etudes, mm. and uh, I've played a lot of the big, um, you know, the solo pieces, mm-hmm. and it just, there's something about, I don't know, I'd have to really think about it. it he's just so special, you know, because I think, you know, he uh, he is romantic, but he always has that classic quality, too. So oh. he doesn't, there's not like um, anything mawkish. It's just pure, pure, pure music. Mm, interesting. Do you think that his mental uh, um, complexities mm-hmm. had a lot to mm-hmm. do with his writing as uh, for the piano? Um well, I think um, 
the uh, huge the huge range. Of course, we know he had a problem, and so he he had these uh, extremes extremes mm-hmm. and and they are definitely in the music but that that kind of is a thing that makes it so exciting right away when you hear the extreme character say in, in, in almost any of the pieces you know it's it's a very interesting contrasting quality that's so easy and sort of uh something to really you know carry you through the the um the piece mm-hmm mm-hmm Interesting. Very interesting. I know several pianists who during COVID, during the pandemic, have uh-huh. reached out to Schumann. And I think mm. it's so interesting because you would think it would be the obvious choice of Beethoven, where we're, we're all trying to work out our inner demons, you know, with, mm-hmm. with the pandemic, with being alone. But, but maybe mm-hmm. reaching out to Schumann is the perfect answer. Um, I mean, he certainly had his demons, my goodness. You know, mm. uh, but it it's translated into such beauty. Also, you know, his writing is so brilliant. So that you know, he loved words. I guess almost as much as music, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yes. that's interesting to me, of course. Yeah, there was uh, a, a but, deep connection. Yeah. yeah, with words and yes, music. Yes, yes, yes. How interesting! Right. Wow. So, so Beth Levin, what? has really kept you going through this pandemic? Yeah, well, I guess I really have to thank my friend um, Bill Anderson because he gave me several uh, recording projects. Mm. They were on the smaller side, but I mean, it really kept me going. Uh, It was mostly works of friends who were musicians who are composers, some of them wrote pieces for me, Mm -hmm. uh, which was very, very, you know, I was honored by that. But then uh, Bill said, oh, you know, you can, you can put in some, some of the classical as well. So like I do a program of two or three very modern pieces that have just been written, you know, Mm -hmm. and then also add, add Bach or Mozart with it. You know, mm. so it was very, that really got me going. I, I really had something to, um, to, <laughs> to live for. You know? So is, so is, I, is this yeah. bill, the, the bill you refer to in a delightful yeah. posting from 2019 at La Folia online, when you, you wrote a letter to a certain bill about a concert no. you gave? That's a different bill. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that bill is, is a former student, and he's an artist. Oh. And uh, I, I sort of tell him everything. <laughs> and I did write oh. a letter to him. No, uh, that's a different bill. But this bill is in charge of um, the uh, Roger Shapiro Foundation. Mm-hmm. And they uh, foster new music. Beautiful. And... Uh, I have to say, I mean, I was just so grateful to have those projects. And I I, I look forward to doing it more because, you know, a lot of composers write for me, which is one of the great uh, pleasures of my musical life. That's right. And and then he's um, open to having them recorded. So so it's just great. 
So great. you have yeah. you have always championed modern composers, David Del Tredici, Andrew Rudin, Scott Wheeler, Henrik Goretsky. Um, yeah, it's so exciting. So uh, this is brilliant. Has has anything? Um, what other composers have written for you lately, Beth? Oh, I, I would say Albert Cortez has just written me a piece. Um, and others, all the names are escaping me <laughs> at the moment. Oh, Roger Stubblefield, um, and, and David, as you said. But, um, the thing is, uh, I don't know. That happens very naturally, too, in that I just enjoy, especially if I know someone, I can just talk to them on the phone and, and say, oh, well, I, you know, I can't play this part. Can you change it? You know, that's 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 a very nice thing. You know? I'd say I could never call up Beethoven and start complaining, you know, but um it's very natural, I think, when someone writes you a piece and you know them and it's brand new. It's very, very exciting. And you know the composer, you know their heart and soul. So yeah, you, you right, have that, right. that profound connection. That's so exciting. I don't think yeah. anyone has ever really written a piece of music for me, Beth. So I'm really envious oh. of you <laughs> to have that in your life. <laughs> no, I mean, it shocks me, really. Uh, one thing I was very shocked lately was that um, a friend, David Post, who's the composer, one day he said, oh, by the way, I just set three of your poems. And he just, he didn't even tell me, he just did it. He, he set three of my poems and oh, wow. uh, they, were perfor- they were performed recently with soprano and piano. That is so beautiful. That, it was just a shock. <laughs> wow. Okay. What a great shock. <laughs> so would you say, right. would you say with all of this that, that, that you managed to handle the pandemic well? I mean, you know, I think it's forced oh, yeah. all of us to go within ourselves. It's, it forces us right. to be innig, as, as the Germans would say. And yes, for me, yes. that's been a wonderful thing. It's, it's not been that way for everyone. But, you know, no. it sounds as if you've had projects, you've had recordings, you've had time. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, oh, boy. It's, I think... With if I hadn't had the recording, I think I still would have just you know launched into learning new music. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning the Liszt Sonata, and I mean that that can stare down any pandemic. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean wow. that a piece like that just takes over everything, and you become obsessed with it. So I think as long as you're in a project, uh. You're you're okay, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's terrible that so many people aren't having actual concerts. You know, we're we're getting back and it's getting better, but I think that was tragedy. You yes. know, not having. I mean, when I had a live concert in July, I was I was just absolutely, you know, ecstatic. I'll, I'll because, bet you were. You know, recording is great, but but a real concert is something else. And were you reduced to tears as so many performers have been? I mean, literally with that connection, that social and and deep connection, you know, with your audience. Right, right. Well, I remember feeling um, 
how different it was. I had forgot. I really had forgotten almost. Wow. I mean, just it's just a, a different world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I re- and I love I love recording. Also, I think when I record, even if there's just like one person in the room, I still perform. You know what I mean? I don't exactly. Just, mm-hmm. it, it's never dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's just the recording engineer, I, I'm still I'm playing for someone. You know, oh. um, so I think I, I'm good at recording, and there's it's it's never too square or anything. Mm-hmm. But but still, when I I went to bars music and I just forgot the whole feeling of of bowing and and then talking to the people later and going out to dinner afterward mm. was just it was heaven it was really nice <laughs> so then i have to thank mark Kreskinov for thinking of me for that concert it's wonderful that's absolutely wonderful. So can I just take a minute and can we get back to to the other bill you wrote to at La Folia? Sure, sure. Because you, you gave the most beautiful posting. It was so delightful. I adored it. Where you were speaking about your performance of Beethoven's Hammerklavier. And uh-huh. it, that posting is so raw and it's so honest. Yeah, it was. It you, was. And here Maybe you are. too raw. No, no, no. It, no, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Leave it to a person like yourself who is always so authentic about your feelings and words. But you, mm-hmm. you spoke about pre-concert depression, the vintage piano uh, you were on, the hall, yes. and, and referring yeah. to eventual playing with a mastery after a wrong note in the beginning handle yeah. opener. Yeah. I mean, you were right. really, really specific. But you also said that you referred to playing the hammer clavier like playing a great role, such as Shakespeare's yeah. King Lear. Now, <laughs> you followed that up with, you said that ultimately the piece forces you to explore everything you are made of at the piano. I mean, really, yeah. Beth Levin, wow. Okay, I got goosebumps <laughs> just reading that again. Oh, can, no. Can you describe that feeling to us, this this totally immersive feeling of approaching the Hammer Clavier? And we know with your physicality that here comes this goddess again to, to really, really own it. What What is that feeling like? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm... I'm, you know, uh, well, a piece like that really does, um, you know, it just, it draws everything out of you. So, so there's actually a painful quality that comes along with it Hmm. because it's sort of do or die and you, and you know it, you know, Mm -hmm. this, like, this is it, guys. (laughs) When you play the first note. Um, and it, it takes you, you know, it takes you on the journey. You don't have any choice. Right. You know, you, you might think you're <laughs> mastering the piece. But I think, again, the situation of performing shows you that you're not totally in control. Hmm. And that any minute something can happen or mm-hmm. something good can happen, you know, something in a new way can happen. Uh, but even, you know, you, of course, have a very strong sense of the overall in a piece like that, or, or you'll get lost. Mm-hmm. You know, there has to be a road that you're traveling. But, but the piece itself, and Beethoven was really far, far-reaching in that, and 
he was going off into another place almost, almost, you know, to another um, ether, you know, and taking you with him. Mm-hmm. So it just sort of, I don't know, I, I like that feeling of you're open to, okay, what what's going to happen? But at the same time, you're worried, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen right, right. with a piece like that. And you practice like, I, I think I never practiced so much as, really? you know, like just to try, try to get to, to be totally in control of what you're doing, but then have something left that you don't know about. Ah, okay. okay. In a piece like that, you just absolutely have to kind of have faith. <laughs> especially when you're you're approaching the dark side of yourself that that you have to explore for this piece yeah and right, you have right. to have faith that your technique brings you through and you can play literally out of your mind for for a moment i mean just go to yes, a, another right. place that beethoven has gone to himself of Beth Levin reveals an intense love of the piano and a deep understanding of the composer she embraces. I hope you will look for her at BethLevinPiano.com, where you will find information on her upcoming performances and her illustrious recordings. Today, we have heard excerpts from her recently released recording of Beethoven's Hammerklavier, which is available from all major streaming services. Part two of this interview will air next Tuesday at 9 a.m. on Center Stage at WGCH Talk Radio. Until then, I hope you will go to my website, centerstagewithpamelacoon.com, for more information and a gallery of my interviews. In the meantime, stay safe out there. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage. Center Stage.